0: Good evening, everybody. Um, it's really good to be together tonight. Uh, in, somewhat of, in some ways, I feel like this is a proper start to the new year, because guys are back from holiday, and varsity's go back soon, so stoked about that. Um, we are We are starting a new series tonight, as the guys mentioned, called Reimagining Church, and we really feel like God has led us to do this, because in some ways, I feel like as Christians, we do need to reimagine what church is, but not make it up But go back to the scriptures and understand what church really is all about. And so for the next month, we're going to be journeying through that. This is one of four messages um, that we're really excited about. And tonight serves as somewhat of an introduction to this. But we're going to be dealing with um, a specific topic, and that is this, that the church is a who, not a what. That's what we're going to be digging into tonight. So um, we really think it's an important series super excited about, and I pray that as we, as we journey through this, God would stir up in your heart a great passion for church and a great understanding of the fact that you are the church and that He wants to do some significant stuff through us. So um, as I was preparing this message for tonight, I realized that unpacking what the church really is is not as simple as one might think, right? You can make it simple, um, but... It's not that simple. And so tonight, we're going to, we're going to in a nutshell, um, unpack some of the, the complicated uh, ideas of church. And hopefully, it sits well with us and we leave you yeah, super encouraged. But, um, but I did some research on the internet and watched a few YouTube videos. And I realized that when you ask somebody, if you had to ask somebody just out in the street what they think church is or, or what their idea of church is, most people would answer the, like this, oh, yeah, it's that building um, just off Ladies Mile next to the engine. Right, they, would, they would say something like that, or they would say something like, oh, yeah, no, church is that place that Christians go to on Sundays, right? That's, that's how they would answer. And, and technically speaking, or we, if you don't want to be pedantic about it, they're not really wrong. Okay? We do call this building a church. It, it would be pretty strange to be driving past, and someone had to ask you, wasn't from you, hey, what is that building over there? And you would say to them, oh, that, that's the brick building right? It'd be pretty silly to do that. So it's like a bit of a semantics thing, and this way it gets a bit confusing. We do call this a church, but biblically speaking, the building is not the church at all. Never in scripture is a building referred to as a church. Biblically speaking, when the church is spoken about, it is referring to a people, and not just any people, a specific people. The church is always reference to a gathering of God's people. And so when we when we when we look at the word uh, that we get well, that we translate church in the Bible, it's it's from the Greek word ecclesia. and it literally means an assembly or a gathering or a congregation of people, but not just any gathering. It's a specific gathering, a calling together of God's people. So when the Bible speaks about the church, it's it's referring to the gathering of God's covenant people before him. Our covenant God. It never refers to the building. If you read the New Testament and you, and you spend some time in Acts particularly, you'll understand that the early church had no buildings like we have today to meet in. Because of persecution, they had to run and hide, duck and dive, and they were meeting in all sorts of different places at all sorts of different times and primarily in people's homes. And we hear the phrase or the term house church quite often, but that's how they met In the early days, when the church was being birthed, and by being birthed, it doesn't mean the foundations for physical buildings were being laid. God was building a people. The word church only began to be associated with the building after the Roman Empire adopted Christianity as its official religion and Christianity became popular. And so in that season and in that era, what started to happen were churches were starting to be built or buildings were starting to be built for Christians to meet in and the idea of church became associated with the building that people, or the building became associated with this idea of church where the Christians met, where the true church really met. And I wouldn't go as far, having said that, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's sinful or wrong, like we said in the beginning, to call this building a church. We have to call it something. But I think we need to reimagine what church is and, 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 and remember constantly and, and allow the spirits to refresh our minds on a daily basis and keep at the forefront of our mind that, biblically speaking, churches existed way before buildings for Christians to meet in existed. And the church will survive and can survive without buildings. And we see that in places like the Middle East and in China. There are mega churches in China, but there are also underground churches. Churches where people are meeting in different places and different spaces, and they are the church of Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he was not speaking about building buildings. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he was speaking about building a people. A people who believed and professed that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he was the Son of the living God. Jesus is building a people who are his church. A people belonging to him, bought by his blood and fulfilling God's purposes in this world for the glory and the fame of Jesus everywhere. In other words, as Christians, our identity is church. We are his church. We are sons and daughters, yes. That is our identity, but we also carry the identity of church. We cannot stop being the church because we are the church. A pastor that I was reading, his name is Jeff van der Stel. He he defines church like this. He says, church is the regenerate people of God saved by the power of God for the purposes of God in this world. We could have stopped there. I was tempted to stop there and, let's, and, and have an extended worship session. But it is a little bit more complicated than that. And so we're going to unpack some stuff and, uh, and, and dive a little bit deeper into some things that may be confusing for people when it comes to, when it comes to church. I, and I hope that we can all agree Um, that the people of God is the church, not just the building. In fact, not the building at all. But even if we do agree on that, these are the things that I think we need to unpack tonight, we're going to spend the rest of the message doing this. We're going to unpack the fact that biblically the church, as God's people, can be referred to in two different ways. One, the local church, We can biblically be referred to as the local church. And two, we can biblically be referred to as the universal church or the invisible church. We're going to unpack that. And then what we're also going to do is we're going to have a look then at four biblical metaphors for the church that help us to understand the nature of church, the nature of who we are as people that make up God's church. And as we do that, my prayer is that God would inspire us to love church more and to love each other more and to reimagine church that we can be effective for the kingdom in our day and age. Amen? Great. Right. So the first thing we're going to look at is that the church can biblically be regarded as the local church and the universal church. But it's really important to understand the difference between the two. And one of the key reasons is so that we don't confuse what happens sometimes in an imperfect local church Right with what God is doing in the universal church. And I'm going to unpack those just now and and, and just define them for us just now. But local churches not only sometimes um, have unbelievers present with them, but they're also made up of imperfect Christians. And so as a result, we're going to have challenges. There's going to be tension that we're going to have to resolve, and we're not going to get that done perfectly. And we're not always going to get that done in the right way. And so just because we gathered together here today doesn't mean that amongst us there aren't people who don't believe in Jesus and aren't really saved. Does that make sense? But we are still a local church gathered together. And also, there's a sense in which sometimes we can get a skewed perspective on what God is doing with his church universally when a church messes up and splits. Or when it just closes its doors, we can become so discouraged like Elijah was discouraged when he ran away um, from the Queen of, when he just defeated the prophets of Baal, forget it, Jezebel, yeah. He was like, God, what's happening? I'm the only one left here. I'm really feeling down and out. And God was like, don't worry. I've reserved, I think it was 12,000 of those who are faithful to me in another place. And when he heard that, he was encouraged. I think sometimes um, understanding that there's a difference between local church and universal church helps us to understand that no matter what happens in a local context, God is building his church. And he's not going to stop building his church. It is going to be significantly and is significantly powerful. And I think sometimes if we can take a step back and look at the difference between local church and universal church, we'll be blown away by what God is doing in the physical and spiritual realm with his church universally. So so what is the local church? We're going to define it quickly and then we're going to unpack this definition and just get a better understanding of what it is and who makes up the local church. So here's the definition. If you come up with a better one, that's great. But this is my one, and we're going to stick with this, right? So, in short, the local church is this, a local gathering of those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, who are committed to meet regularly for worship, teaching, fellowship, and prayer, and who help make disciples of all people. In Galatians 1, 1 to 2, Paul says this. He writes, he says, Paul, an apostle, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Here we see that in the province of Galatia, there are many churches that Paul is writing to. And what would have happened is they would have taken this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian church and they would have handed it from church to church. And there's this idea that many different groups of believers met in different places and different times. But they were in Galatia. They were localized to Galatia, and there were many of them. And Paul is busy writing to them. That's that's where we get this idea that local churches existed. The same is true for Ephesus. Um, The letters to the Ephesian church, it's the same thing. The letters to the Roman church. There was a church in Rome, and it wasn't just one church. There were many churches who met in Rome. And then Corinth, and contemporary versions are the church in Cape Town, the church in Durban, the church in Joburg. There's this idea that we meet in geographically different, specific places as god's people going back to our definition the people that make up the local church are those who gather who believe in the name of jesus as lord and savior you can get a whole bunch of people to get together in the name of jesus and not have them actually believe in jesus and that's not church local church is made up of people who gather together in a specific geographic location like we're gathering together tonight who genuinely believe in the name of Jesus and that he is their Lord and Savior this means that the local church consists of people who get together and believe the gospel each member believes that they are a sinner saved by grace through faith through Christ's work on the cross and that redemption comes through him and him alone this belief is at the core. This belief in the gospel is at the core of the local church. It's, it makes us who we are. We're not the church if we don't believe that. Also, those who've believed in Jesus as Savior and Lord, are back to our, our, um, our definition, are committed to meet regularly for worship, teaching, fellowship, and prayer. Acts 2.42 reports that the early church were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Do you know that you can get together? We call them life groups. But when you get together for a life group, you're doing church. You don't have to come to church on a Sunday and tick that box and say you've done church once. You can do church every single day of the week. At work, you can do church. Where two or more gather, Jesus says, there I am with you. You can do church at home with your family. You can do church anywhere. And this is the thing that we need to start doing is reimagining how we do church. It's not just this building and what we do on a Sunday. It's great that we get together. But as God's people, where two or more are gathered. And we gather together for the specific purpose of devoting ourselves to the teaching of God's word and prayer and worship. We are doing church. And we need to start doing that more often if we're going to be effective in this country. For the glory of God Colossians three sixteen, Paul instructs the church let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with Psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God this is what we do as a local church this is what church is about it's about getting together to do this it's not the building it's the people and what we do as God's people gathered together also, from our definition, the local church is a gathering of those who help make disciples of all people. The great commission that the Lord gave to us in Matthew 28:19 to 20 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Part of what it means to be the local church is that people gathered together in one specific location to worship God, those who believe that he is the Lord and the Savior of our lives, Jesus Christ is, and then we fulfill together this great commission. This is not just reserved for missionaries and those who live in other countries where the gospel still needs to be spread. This is for all of us, not just for the apostles and missionaries. Every Christian should be involved in the process of making disciples, which are obedient followers of Jesus. That's what it means for us to come together and to do local church. We encourage each other to do that. We should walk away from our meetings together, encouraged to share our faith, encouraged to share our testimonies. We should be stepping out. As a result of meeting together, be emboldened to go and to preach the gospel to all nations and to be bold in declaring the goodness of Jesus. That's what it means to be the local church. It's not just the building. The building can't do that. It just sits. We are the church. So in a nutshell, that's the local church. Now, now, what is the universal church? I've spoken about the local church. Now, how is the universal church different from the local church, and what is it? Again, in a nutshell, the universal church is every Christian everywhere. In other words, the universal church consists of all believers in all places, all times, from all times. That's the universal church, and it's sometimes referred to as the invisible church because you can't see it in an entirety. It just exists. And it's global and god is building that church in 1 corinthians 12 13 it says for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body whether jews or greeks slave or free and we are all given the one spirit to drink i'm sure this has happened to you before but and it's happened to me a number of times where you'll meet someone for the first time. It might be someone of the same culture, um, the same background as you. It might be somebody completely different, of a different culture, different language, totally different country. And you're hanging out together. And even though they might have a broken form of English or you can speak a broken form of their language, you communicate and, and you don't really know much about this person, but something with you connects with them. And as you converse together and you find out that they're a Christian, they find out that you're a Christian, all of a sudden there's this bond. There's this there's this familiarity, there's this kindred spirit that you, that you both share, and there's this deep love for one another that just comes on. You can't explain it, and that's because you're part of the same family. God has knit you together, and you're part of the universal church, and his part of the universal church, or she's part of the universal church. You don't meet in the same place. In fact, your church services are totally different times and look totally different. But you're both sons and daughters of the living God. We're part of this universal church. It doesn't matter that we meet together here in Mederidge Connect or in Musenberg, Connect. We are part of a universal church that God is building, that are woven into Him and are part of His body. One of the other key differences between the universal church and the local church is that to be part of the universal church, you have to be genuinely saved. You can't fake membership there those that are part of the universal church are those who are genuinely saved around the world at all times in all places there is not one single person who's part of god's universal church who's not saved but in the local church you may be unsaved and you may not be a genuine follower and be in here tonight and so technically you're part of the local church and no one really knows but god knows God knows who's part of the invisible church or the universal church, and it's every single one who's genuinely committed to him. And that church God is building. Also, in the local church, you have to be physically present to be in it. And that sounds a little bit obvious, but when when I leave here and I go home, although I'm a member here and a pastor here, we've stopped being church or doing church locally. But as an individual, you never stop being part of the universal church you can sit stocks here in your lounge, and you are part of the universal church right there and then. And that is incredibly significant because it highlights the fact that this is our identity as believers. And it gets us to break this mindset that we stop being church when we leave the building on Sunday. And that's significant for us to take hold of, Instead, everything we do with that mindset that we're part of the universal church and God's got a plan for his church. We'll look at that in the next couple of weeks. This idea that we're part of the universal church helps us to understand that everything we do, we do as the church of Jesus Christ. And we do it for the glory of his name and the fame of Jesus and the popularity of Jesus. Every day, there's this commission that we have. We don't just leave church on a Sunday because it's impossible to rid ourselves of that identity if you're a son and a daughter and you're part of the universal church of God it is our mandate to do what God has called the church to do so that's the local church and the universal church in a nutshell but to help us understand a little bit further I think we need to look at four metaphors which help us to grasp the nature of our identity as the people of God and as the church There are dozens of these metaphors in Scripture, but I've chosen just four tonight. I'm going to touch on them briefly, not not very long. But they're important because they help us to understand the heart that God has for His people, what we're meant to do and how we're meant to relate to one another. And the first one is this, that the church is the body of Christ. And these metaphors apply to the church locally, and they apply to the church universally. God is building the church through local gatherings of believers, And he's also building a universal church, and these apply to both. So the body of Christ, that's what we are, and it's perhaps one of the most familiar descriptions of the church. And Paul uses it extensively in 1 Corinthians 12, and he he makes this point that all believers are part of one body. He says, For for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one body. Now, in this portion of the chapter, Paul doesn't speak about Christ being the head of the church because he wants to emphasize the unity and the diversity of the church. We need to be a people who understand that we are part of one body. And to shoot yourself in the foot is not a good thing. And we can often do that because we have this idea that when we come to church and we leave church, we only do church when we're here and we can leave church and not be part of the church and we treat each other however we want. And God is saying, no, you're part of one unit and you need to love each other, support each other, pray for each other, and care for each other. It's like taking care of every part of your body. And just because someone is different to you doesn't mean that they're not significant and useful and incredibly valued by God as much as you are. And there's this idea that we need to Honor what we are and who we are and what we have, in the same way that we honor and look after our bodies, so we can be healthy and effective in what we do. There's this idea that we need to love each other in our unity and our diversity. Ephesians one twenty two to twenty-three, Paul clearly states here though that Christ is the head of the church. He says, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fulfills all in all. This means that each member of Christ's body must be in submission to him as the head, locally and universally. We are not a people who cannot be submissive to Jesus and obedient to Jesus. He is the head, he is the one who leads, and we follow. All of the body takes its command from the head, and that's who Jesus is for us. And we play complementary roles in our relationships with one another and other members in the body also the most important characteristic about our bodies is that it's living and so when jesus speaks about when god's word speaks about the church being the body it's not just dead it's useless to have organization and structure and it and it be dead we are a living body we are living and breathing god's church is alive And it's going to continue to be alive. And that's an exciting thing because when we face tough times and we face trial and temptation and we go through dark times and when we face things that seem impossible to overcome, we must know that we are the church of God, living and active, being used by him for his glory. And God's church will overcome because that's the promise that he gave to us, that the gates of hell will not prevail. The church is the organic living body of Christ and his members are to be spiritually alive and excited about the fact that we carry this identity. The second analogy or metaphor is that the church is the bride of Christ. Paul presents this image in his discussion on on the representative roles of husband and wives in Ephesians 5. But he's not just speaking about marriage there and the way husbands and wives relate to each other. Because he states in Ephesians 5.32 that this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. The apostle John also presents the same imagery of the church being the bride of Christ or the wife of the Lamb in Revelation, in Revelation 19.21 and 22. But the main application here is that we're to relate to Christ in love. This is, this is the idea that's being portrayed, that we're to relate to Christ in love and with submission to him because he's the head. And we are to rejoice in the fact that he has chosen us and loves us and has bound himself to us. And here's the amazing thought for me. As a husband and wife relate to one another in marriage, the husband can bless the wife and the wife can bless the husband. And there's a symbiotic relationship that exists that is beautiful. It is amazing for me to understand that I can bless God. I don't know if you've thought about that. If I think about my shortfalls and my weaknesses and my sinfulness that I'm working through, it is amazing for me that I can bless and please the living God and that He is pleased to be in a relationship with me that's only possible because God's made us his church that's amazing and if you just dwell on that for this week trust me it's like chewing on a steak that you can bless God and that he smiles when you do as he's called you to do and you just be who he's made you to be the third metaphor is that of a family or a household of God in Ephesians 2:19, Paul states, "So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household." The family in, uh, imagery is also seen in the tons of places where God is referred to as father, and we're referred to as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. We are God's children through new birth. That's who the church is. It's our identity and also through adoption into god's family and this is what this does for us i don't know about you but when i think about that and i think about that being our identity as a church it assures me of god's love for me and his provision for me and his care and it affects my mindset when i think about church and i think this is where we start to reimagine church and what church is meant to be about and who we are as a church if if church is just a sunday program right if 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 church is just something that you attend on a Sunday then we go for what we can get out of it. That's what church becomes. But if church is the family of God, if we understand that that is our identity, then you remember with other brothers and sisters and you go for the relationship that exists between one another. And you go to enjoy that. Not the lights and the sound and the programs and the beauty and the aesthetics of the building families gather for fundamentally different reasons to audiences audiences go together for a show family get together because they love each other and I don't know about you but some of the members of my family are just difficult to be around but I love them anyway and I'm probably one of those for them as well but don't cross them because they're my family and the same is true for us. There's this idea that when we reimagine church or allow God to, to effectively, through the Spirit, shape the way we think about church biblically, we'll love each other more than you can imagine. Because we understand that we're not just blood-related, but we're related through Christ. That bond will never break. Your brothers and sisters in the physical realm, you will lose. They will, be no, they will no longer be your brothers and sisters in heaven. Your wives, your husbands, will no longer be husbands and wives in heaven but we will still be brothers and sisters in Christ. That bond transcends everything and goes into eternity. That for me is amazing. Family members don't threaten to leave or join another family if there are other conflicts or if the family gatherings aren't quite meeting their needs. This is a big one. And I think when we, when we become ice cream Christians, we go over a lick here and a lick there and a lick here. It really speaks to our heart and our understanding of what the family of God is really meant to be about. We suck it up and we love one another. If God has called you to be in this church, then this is where God has called you to be. And that is not something that can be changed because things get difficult. The reality is things are going to be difficult. People are going to be tough to deal with. You're going to be one of those people as well sometimes, and people are going to have to love you through that. That's the beauty of being the church of God. Family bonds keep people together, and they work out their differences in love, or at least that's what Christian families should be doing. Another thing that's so beautiful about the church being the family of God, and I experienced this, when I came into the church is that those who experience family that is dysfunctional in this world when they experience belonging to a community of brothers and sisters who love them in the Lord they experience that redemptive restorative nature of God through the body particularly when they experience loving concern Galatians 6 says those who are of the household of faith share that with one another then finally tonight, the last metaphor is that the church is the pillar and support of the truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 says this, But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Paul mentions the metaphor of the church as the household of the living God, and then he adds that the church upholds and supports truth, in this world, in this day of widespread departure from the truth of God's Word, the church must stand firm in proclaiming and practicing truth. It's part of our responsibility. It's who we are. It's what we do. One of the main tasks of the Christian is to hold, as it says in Titus nine, fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able to both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Our job is the body of God. The nature of who we are is to stand for truth and to refute ungodliness and false doctrine and make sure that we hold firm to the word of God, not swaying from it to the right or to the left, but walking steadfastly before the Lord in truth. It's our job to soak up and to absorb the word of God so that we can preach it and stand fast in it. The main thing that I believe God would have us remember from tonight and and, and this word is that the church is not a place you just attend once or twice a week for spiritual input and then leave. Instead, it's, it's who we are as his people. The idea that a Christian could live his or her life independent from the body was foreign to the new testament church god wants every part of his body to work together causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love i want to end with this i just think that it's really sad nowadays that a lot of people are attracted to church because of the size of the church or the beauty of the church or who's preaching at the church or the social programs or the music and the skill of the musicians or the sports programs but the building the location the size of the building who's in the building the status of the people in the building the programs that are offered the dormants the physical things don't make the church the building is just the building and so refer to this building as a building because i certainly am not going to be calling it the brick all right But my understanding, hopefully, is always going to be that the true church is who meets in that building. And I'm not confined to the building. And there is a local church that I love and that I'm a part of, but there's also the universal church that I'm a part of. And God can call us anywhere, and we're still part of the universal church of God. And my heart is for my brothers and sisters, and I want to protect that, love that, and grow in that, and be effective in that for the glory of the name of Jesus. You don't get to escape being the church. If you love Jesus the church in the New Testament was dynamic never a prisoner to buildings they met in the temple they met in the synagogue the streets besides the sea in public places and in homes and in acts there's this beautiful description of the church It says every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from one house to the next they ate their food with joy and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people Every day, the Lord added to the number those who are being saved. And I pray that God would start to do that with us as we get a hold of and reimagine for ourselves through the Spirit what church actually is that God would add to our number because we are the church and that's what God's called us to do. Amen? Let's pray. I asked him and the team to come up. Father, I want to thank you that the church is not a building and that when you promise to build your church, And to destroy the gates of hell and the work of the enemy and the dark forces in this world. You promise to build a people up. And you are the rock and the foundation on which we stand. You are the living God. We are your people. We are the church. And we thank you for that. God, forgive us for where we've thought the building is the church, or that somehow we become more of the church when we're in a specific building. God, help us to be faithful in the local churches and bodies that you've put us into. And help us to be faithful to you as part of the universal church and your call in our lives. God, may, may we remember and be reminded by the Spirit of what that is. May we love and honor one another. May we be your body, be the bride, be the family and household of God. May we be the pillar of truth that is so desperately needed for the glory of your name. Jesus, help us to understand and to reimagine church in Jesus name amen won't you stand and join us as we